Before we move on, ESPN in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Production present Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Jimmy Kimmel live personality, Cousin Sal, and his three childhood friends lovingly known as the Degenerate Trifecta break down the biggest gambling events of the week and their top picks for games. That's Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my boy, Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark, you see me in that Tiger Woods red on Sunday, the new video game coming out in a couple days. So I had to represent my boy, Tiger Woods, and I look good. But RC, guess hey, who you. else look good? Nephew. Who Nephew that, look good last Nephew. week on the pick six. The boy, Jordan Clark. With the pick six, RC. <laughs> How crazy were you going whenever you caught that pick six last weekend? Bro, hey, hey, you know what's crazy, DC, man? And, and you know it. And having kids, bro, you get to a point to what they accomplished far eclipses the emotion that it caused in you, man. And for me, my wife, uh, Yonk, started crying right away because Jordan had been through injuries this year. He had to fight uh, to get back. And I ain't going to lie, man. I, I shed a Denzel Glory tear, man. It was the the one joint oh. out of the left eye. And honestly, when they won the game, he was jumping up and down on the sideline. Uh, a, tr- a quick little story, man. He comes out of USC last week and you know we thought they played better so me and the wife were actually kind of excited like this team is coming around they're at least working and he hugs his mom bro and he cries for like five minutes and he didn't cry like the normal just regular tears that adult men cry he was crying like Mm. sobbing and me and my wife walk off me and Yonk walk off and we're like wait we thought he knew that they weren't going to win and so for him to go from that to last week and, ke- and kept telling me as we walk into the bus, he's like, Dad, I just want to win. And to see him win that game and be mm-hmm. a big part of it, man, it was uh, one of my prouder moments, man, of, of him playing football. That's, that's actually hard when they cry like little boys again. Yeah, you see Jordan as the little yeah. boy crying to his mom. That's hard to kind of uh, you know digest as a father. But coming was, up on the man. show, we're going to talk to T.J. Dillashaw, we're going to look at our favorite fights that are coming up uh, towards the end of the year. And we also get joined by my man Riddle after last weekend. And we always got to tap in and tap out. But back to what I was saying, Ryan, it was great to see him have that success. Those some fire uniforms. And a champion never accepts yeah. that it won't go well. That's why he was so right. disappointed in the USC game. And the moment that he stops caring, right. Ryan, that's when you got some things to worry about. But, Ryan. Let's no, absolutely, go man. Forward. Absolutely. Last weekend, your boy went to Philadelphia. And RC, oh I got my first God. my first question is, RC, RC, my first question is, uh, what you need, my guy, a size 10? Because I could check in the back. Your boy looked like he worked in <laughs> footlock, dressed like that, going out there to referee that night. Did you see that? Did you see it? Hey, bro. No, I ain't going to lie, though, dog. I was so fired up for you, DC, because I know how much you love wrestling, man. And honestly, this was like truly kind of an ode or a homage to the star you actually are, dude. Not just in what you were able to accomplish as a fighter, but where you are now as an analyst, as an entertainer, as a commentator, bro. It was just super dope for you to be a part of it. What was it like, though, dog, when you kind of in that no-holes-barred, cage-type match, man, and you, you running the show? 
Hey, RC. RC, I was in the back, and I was nervous because obviously you know the, the outcome. I started forgetting the match. I was like, oh, my goodness. I forgot <laughs> the end. So I kept, like, having to ask questions. I was so nervous, bro. But once I walked out there, it was so fun. The energy of the crowd is, like, second to none. Like, I fought in front of bigger crowds than I was in front of last weekend. But ultimately, that's, that's just – it's a shoot, right? I'm going to just fight. And it's going to be what it's going to be. But to remember all the points of what you're supposed to do in the match, dude, it was amazing. Then I got fans heckling me. They calling me Carl Winslow in there. <laughs> they messing with me. They thought, DC, they, hey, they said, DC, climb up the cage. Bro, they said, DC, climb up the cage. I'm standing at the bottom like I'm not going up there with these dudes. They up there actually wrestling on that little ledge, bro. I was like, this right. is crazy. Then when Riddle jumped off the top, I was like, man... I couldn't believe that I was actually in that moment. And I don't know how much you pay attention, but then Bray Wyatt returned yeah. right after. So we were like the closer to a massive moment. But my favorite part was I got to essentially be Herb Dean. You know what I'm saying? I was like, Herb, yeah. come up here. I was yeah. like, you come, you come, you ready to go. Then I got a little physical, right? I threw Riddle down. I, I hemmed up Seth Rollins with that old cop arm. You know how the cops kind of grab dudes when they do it wrong. I got him up under the neck right. with the right arm and everything, you know. So, bro, I was having the time of my life. And then, RC, DC. I ran into the boy Booker T. I know. DC, first off, can we get Glenn and Corporate Jake to make sure our yeah. pre-show pre meals are like the pre-fight meals in the WWE? Bro, That's first off, because Booker T was eating good. He was eating good now. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's the first thing. One thing one thing about DC and RC, we love to eat. And I'll eat in the suit yes. if I got to eat in the suit in order to have that type of meal. My dog was locked in on that plate. One thing I wanted to ask you, though, DC, <laughs> being one of the top athletes in the world as you were in your profession, how much respect do you have now for the athletes in the WWE and the type of things they're willing to do and also capable to do during those matches? RC, they're huge. They're massive. Like, these guys. Mm -hmm. So, Riddle and Rollins aren't big guys. But, like, some of these other guys, Drew McIntyre, Karrion Cross, all these guys that were performing earlier in the night, the things that they do yeah. at their size, it's crazy. The amount of athleticism that these guys possess inside the wrestling ring. And even Booker T, right? You're looking at Booker T. Booker mm -hmm. T's older now. He's 57 years old or something. But the, what Booker T was doing back in his day, Unreal. And right. the catering was top-notch, RC. I mean, if I'm Booker <laughs> T and I'm in a suit that's nice like that because he looks look sharp now. Booker T looks sharp. Right. He was eating real careful. And, dog, did you see how he looked at me initially? Like, he looked like he wanted to take my he head off. nervous. Because me and Booker T had, this, nervous, me and Booker T had this whole thing a couple years ago. He looked crazy. He was like, then he saw me. He was like, he right, he right. Where we from, we got to keep our guard up at all times. It was amazing. I had, I had, I had the time of my life, RC. I mean, I think that's amazing, bro. But again, I just want to tell you, you are not like you are not being gifted these things, dog. You have earned these things through what you did as an athlete and to what you're doing now in your post career. So tell me if you got anything else up. I know you've been supposed to like lose weight for since we started the show. Yeah. Um, when I look yeah, at yeah, you yeah. in that Foot Locker uniform, it doesn't seem that the diet <laughs> has started. But no. tell me no. what you got going on going forward, bro. RC, RC, let me tell you something. That so I came home and my 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 partner in my barbershops, 
he was at my house and he was like, damn, you look a lot bigger on TV. I was like, the TV adds a few pounds and the stripes didn't help. <laughs> but that visual is why I'm going to lose weight. That visual is why your boy is going to lose weight. So, so they were talking to me about doing future things in the WWE, and I go, I'll do things, but I got to get in shape first. Like, give your boy some time to get some of this baggage <laughs> off, this luggage. Let me put a bag. Hey, ARC, let me get rid of some of the check baggage, and then maybe do a couple yeah. carry-ons. And some carry-ons. go and do some things. <laughs> yeah, in the ring. Let me do a couple carry Let me have a couple carry-ons on the side and not the entire huge suitcase. DC, here, so here's the question, right? Obviously, it has to be, it's, it's a different walkout when it's WWE and when it's UFC, right? Like, I get it. Like, you, you're out there, UFC, you're going to war in the octagon against another man. Here, you know, being the referee, you had all of these things to remember. You had to understand the performance, play your part, play your role. There were so many tweets about people saying that you were a star, though, that you should be a part of the WWE. But here's my issue, DC. All I wanted to yeah, yeah, hear yeah. when you was walking out was, dun, 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 dun. yeah, I know the right dun, above dun, it, right? What you happened? Right why, above why did they get your song, dog? <laughs> yeah, why did they give you your song, <laughs> they man? They gotta pay. They gotta pay Wayne too much, man. Wayne from Louisiana, you know, he probably charging a lot to use his, his, his song. You know what I'm saying? That's why in the UFC we use it, and then Wayne like knows that I used it my whole career. So he was cool with it, but then right. when they redub it, they got to dub over the music because we don't have the licenses for right above it. So it's like ah. the WWE would have had to pay for it and everything. So it was cool. They gave me like three walkouts, and I'm a simple man. So I was like, let me have the one in the middle. Because if you got three choices, you always <laughs> pick the middle. So obviously I picked the middle walkout, and that was my uh, that was my walkout song. It was fun, man. It was a good time. And again, mm -hmm. I've earned a new amount of respect for the performers yeah. uh, inside the wrestling ring. And uh, now, Ryan, we're going to be joined uh, by one of the guys that I was in the fight pit with uh, last weekend as we go one round with Matt Riddle. All right, guys, now it's time to go one round with Matt Riddle, the ultimate bro from the WWE who I shared the fight pit with last Saturday. Riddle, thank you for joining us, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me, bro. And hey, thanks for, you know, Reffing the fight pits, a dangerous match. You were there, and uh, I appreciate your, you know, your support. You know, even though you were unbiased, you know, you threw me into the cage, you threw Seth into the cage, but uh, I appreciate you being there, bro. Yeah, I had I had to get my hands on you a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I knew you were I knew you were an MMA fighter. I knew you could handle. I got my hands on you a little bit. Plus, you kind of disrespectful by grabbing me it. like that, dude. You are so strong. People people don't realize. <laughs> It's freakishly strong, dude. You threw me right up against the cage so quick. But, hey, I accidentally hit you. I understand. That was my bad, dude. Won't happen again. And, uh, you know, you handled it like a G, like a boss. Hey, Matt, listen, you were inside. Uh, you were performing with DC in his Foot Locker shirt as the referee, man. What was it like, though, to get an opportunity to be in there with Seth, be with DC, and how did DC perform to you? And do you think he should be back as a referee again? You know, I think everybody performed well, you know. I personally think DC, though, I, I think he did a great job refing. But I think, you know, I think he's bigger and stronger and better than just repping. You know, I think DC should lace up some boots and step into the squared circle. Okay. That's just my opinion. Hey, Riddle, so I'm watching you guys compete on Saturday and perform, 
and I'm watching all the, the prep that goes into it. When you're up there, though, and you're getting ready to jump, what my daughter called 40 feet, what my friend called 30 <laughs> feet, I was in there, so I know it was more like <laughs> 10 feet. What are the reservations <laughs> as you're up there preparing to make that? Because to me, it is nuts. They, t- I'm like, my reaction, and I, I was like, what in the world? It's, what, are, what are you feeling up there in that moment? Well, at that moment, I was already feeling my my hip, my hip bone really hurt already. You know, I already got buckle bombed into the side of the cage and, you know, already took a pedigree. So I was so beat up. And when I was looking down at Seb, I was like, well, I can't climb down. You know, that was cool. <laughs> so, so I just I was like, hey. Why not hit him with a little Broton action? Jumped about 10 feet. It felt like felt like 30 or 40 feet. But you know, but uh yeah, and I literally crushed Seth. I had to. I had to protect myself. And I threw all my weight on the sun. He was he was definitely <laughs> sore on my <laughs> hey Matt, you know, you have a unique perspective. You've competed in two different type of cages now. You've been an MMA fighter and now you're wrestling. What are some of the differences between the two sports and how do you prepare for them? You know, I'd say MMA is probably one of the most grueling sports and very, very unforgiving. You know, once you get, if you get pinned in a bad spot, it could be that could be it. You know, but at the same time, mm. WWE is a lot like that, too. But at the end of the day, you know, when you're in WWE, it's always probably going to go the distance. It's hard to catch a quick one on somebody. You know, people have like right. Sheamus and throughout, you know, the day. But uh, usually when you get into the fight pair, you get into the squared circle, you know, you're you're in there for a minute. You know, and you got to got to make sure you're also not just winning the match but you gotta have the people behind you or against you however you're working it and there's a lot of mental things that go into it you know a lot of thinking Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) hey matt so the energy the energy in that arena to me was insane what can you compare that to or how do you compare the energy inside of the wwe arena to what you've experienced in the ufc from being on the ultimate fighter all the way to fighting up to main cards and big fights in the UFC. Like, how does the energy compare to a performer, the, not to a guy like me who's just en- standing there? I, I'd say this. The energy is a little different because I'd say in professional wrestling, I'm kind of like the composer. I'm, I'm like the artist painting. And I'm like, and I know what I'm expecting the crowd to do when I do it and stuff like that. So it's I know when I'm going to get those reactions, or at least I'm planning on those reactions if I do my job right. Well, with mixed martial arts, you never know what's going to happen. But even in my career, I was always going for those those fight of the nights, those epic moments, those Rocky Balboa slugfests and people, both guys bleeding and the crowd roaring. And and I think that's like the, the kind of the thing that they're different, of course. But those are the similarities. Like I'm trying to get that crowd up. I'm trying to get them to roar. I'm trying to feel that energy to push me to go harder, stronger. And you've been there in fights where the crowd's really getting behind you or you land a crispy shot and they're like, Oh, and you're like, let's go. And you just go in there for the finish. And it's the same thing in pro wrestling. You hit a big ballsy or a big finish. You hit that RKO, the pro Derek, and the crowd just goes insane, you know? And those are the moments I like, 
strive for i live for and that's you know just like you you know of course championships are awesome but at the end of the day you want to be you know you want to be a g you want to you want to be a boss you want to be like i didn't just do it i did it with style i did it well and i'm i'm the man i'm the bro i'm the i'm whatever i want to be you know what i'm saying <laughs> right yeah you want to feel that you want to feel that thing now riddle you and i have crossed paths we have lived similar lives in regards to competition mm -hmm, you on the mm -hmm. other hand have done something once that i have never done you beat john jones so my question to you is this riddle do you think john jones was cheating you at that time as much as he cheated me or do you think he played oh, fair wow. and that's why you won that's all i gotta know and ryan clark is out of the conversation I'll, because ryan clark is I'll a closet john jones fan yeah i'll say that Jones has, you know, like him or not, he's always been a top-tier competitor since I've known him in high school and throughout his UFC career and et cetera. You know, he might you – know, I'm not going to get into anything else, but uh, I don't think when I beat him, <laughs> cheating Yeah, I don't think he used any PEDs or was on any stimulants or anything like that. I think he was young. I remember his family was always there, and it was a very family-oriented environment, and it, you know – Nice, you know, John was always super kind to me and everything else, so was his whole family, you know. But uh hey. yeah, I, I think I think he was, you know, I think he was still on the straight and narrow then, bro. So I, you know, I think that helped. <laughs> hey, hey, Riddle, hey, fake it. Listen, you should take some cues from my referee and being impartial because you said he wasn't cheating yet. So you kind of got of you kind of <laughs> reeled a little bit to my hey, side because well, you said yet. Well, I've heard some hey, stories. Hey, DC, the about test of the test. Stuff like that, you know. But I don't know. I don't know if they're factual or fiction. You know, a lot of people say crazy things, but you know, I, 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 he's failed some tests. I'm not going to say anything because I failed some tests too. You know, I don't want to <laughs> go there. I'm not. I don't throw rocks. <laughs> I live in the last house. You know what I'm saying, bro? So. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you know, all I know is I think he was young. He was still just working his way up, you know. Hey, Matt, congratulations on all your successes, my friend. Yes, Probably sir. Probably the biggest one is getting that victory because I didn't do it. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us, man. I appreciate you guys allowing me into your world last weekend and getting to uh, perform with you. Thank you for joining the show. Dude, anytime I'll come on here and DC, you know the doors always open to WWE. We're only a phone call away, bro. You're a stallion, dude. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Later, bro. RC, you see how he's kind of laid back in his demeanors, like, bro, like this. So when they're going yeah. through the match, he's like act he's like acting like that. And he's like, so maybe Seth will be under the ropes and I'll just like kick him in the head or something, bro. And I'm like, that's worrisome. That. You're talking about like <laughs> kicking him in the head, but you're like so laid right. back. I'm like, it's worrisome. That's his personality, bro. And the kid is like truly exceeded. He left the UFC on bad terms and his it didn't seem like yeah. he had a bright future. I'm very happy for Matt Riddle and all that he's accomplished, RC. It's great to see. 
DC, everybody loves a comeback story. We have an opportunity for some comeback stories at UFC 280 in Abu Dhabi on Saturday, October 22nd. And this main card is stacked, highlighted by Olivera Makachev, Sterling Dillashaw, Piotr Jan, and Sean O'Malley. When you look at this card, it is going to be fireworks and explosion from the jump, but it's going to be a huge part in TJ Dillashaw and his opportunity to be a three-time champ when he faces Aldermaine Sterling. Now we go one round with the former champion. We are going one round with former champion TJ Dillashaw as he prepares for another title bout against champion Aldermaine Sterling in Abu Dhabi. What's up, TJ? How you doing, my man? Uh, doing great, man. Doing really good. Out here actually in Abu Dhabi, getting ready to hit a practice with Ludwig, Felipe, and uh, Coach Wombles. TJ. You're back, dog. It's been a minute. Uh, you know, the last fight against Corey Sanhagen, I thought that you showed a lot of heart and determination because it seemed yeah. as though he was he was a bit something new, right? He was kind of fighting in the way that mm -hmm. you fight. You showed a lot of heart to get that victory. Then the injury. How have you been able to stay positive yeah. over the course of the recovery time knowing that you were in line for a championship fight like this? Yeah, man, that, that fight was tough, man. I had to gut through some serious stuff in that fight, you know? Uh, blowing my knee out the end of that first round, um, I didn't realize how bad I blew it out until I tried walking back out that second round. Um, it was tough, man, having to, to bite down your mouthpiece and just say, screw it and, and go after it, you know? Because that fight would have looked a lot more like the first round if I would have stayed healthy, you know? Uh, couldn't, I couldn't return my takedowns to the mat, so it's something I just kind of had to have a horrible second round, get back in the corner. My coaches wake me up and say, screw it. We just got to go. And, um, you know, a testament to my, my mental uh, toughness and just getting a job done against a very good opponent, a guy that I knew that was tough. You know, I, go, I knew going into that fight that it was going to be a dog fight because uh, Sanhagen's good, man. He's long. He's tricky. He's technical. Um, so, yeah, threw, threw, some, uh, threw some stuff at me I hadn't seen yet. And to be able to get through that one was uh, a big testament to just mental toughness and – and uh, having that wrestling background to be able to bite down and go through anything. You know, TJ, you mentioned the mental toughness that it takes uh, to, you know, grit through the injury and fighting somebody as talented as Corey Sanhagen. And you said he threw some things at you that were a little different for you. This is another long layoff for you because you're recovering from that injury. Aldermaine Sterling is a totally different fighter than Corey Sanhagen. What have you been doing to prepare for his style, especially after watching the way he used the takedowns to beat Piotr Jan in his last fight? Yeah, I mean, I think this matchup is great for me. You know, the, the style that I have to be able to fight. I mean, I'm so well-rounded. I'm actually the better wrestler. I wasn't really impressed with his shots, you know, to, to get those takedowns. He had to mm -hmm. take 22 of them to get two, right? So those odds aren't right. that great. But he was so <laughs> desperate and persistent in getting them that it, it, it helped out for him, right? But, I mean, to be honest, man, I'm not, not feeling the threat. I'm going to get out there and do what I do best and uh, show him what D1 wrestling is all about. You know, Dillashaw, when you were rocking and rolling and you were the man, Aljamain Sterling was around, but he was young in the game. So watching him ascend to the championship, becoming the man in the weight class in your time away, what are your thoughts on Aljamain Sterling? Because it seems as though he harbors a lot of ill will towards you. Do you feel the same or no? No, not really. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't I try not to hold much ill will when I fight, man. I know I fight better when I'm just, uh, relaxed, having fun. And so I, I learned something early in my career after I had like a, a grudge match with Dominic Cruz that 
I fight better just letting things go, right? And so you got to find your own mental, your own your mental stability on where you perform best. And me, it's getting out there showing off and having a good time. So I don't hold the grudge on nothing. I feel like he's got to build something up. Um, I think he's already building excuses of why I'm going to beat him and trying to uh, to play that mental warfare, but it ain't going to work with me. Well, you know, TJ, you know, you have worn the strap twice. Uh, this has been a long journey for you, not necessarily in years, just the things you've had to endure from an adversity standpoint to get back here. What will that feeling be if you are able to come up with the win and be champion once again? How will you feel about that and what will it mean to you? Yeah, man, when I'm champion, it's going to be great. You know, like I never left. You know, I never lost my belt in this weight class. Yeah, I was stripped, but I never actually physically lost it. And people forget, man, people forget how dominant I was because I hadn't been in there. I hadn't performing. You know, I, I hold a lot of records at the Bantamweight division. Um, and just be, just because of me, the time off, you know, they forget. And so I'm about to remind them all of who the best is, who the best pound for pound is, and and uh, that 135-pound uh, go. I'm coming for it. It's a very difficult weight class, the, the Bantamweight, 135 division. But – I want to kind of pivot away from the fight um, in Abu Dhabi and ask you a little bit about the landscape, especially on your contemporaries, right? Watching Dominic Cruz, a guy that you two are considered the two best bantamweights of all time, watching as yeah. his career seems to be doing this, how, has you, how have you continued to ascend and stay at the top, and how hard is it for you to watch your contemporaries start to fall a little bit as you're still pursuing championships? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely hard, you know, but... Um... It gives me more uh, um, confidence that I'm doing the right things to continue to get better. That, uh, you know, I'm aging like a fine wine and continue to stay on top. Yeah, I've been <laughs> on top of this sport. I've been on top of this sport since 2014. I've been on the top, right? If I'm in this sport, I'm going to be at top. I'm going to be fighting for the belt. I'm going to be fighting for those, those top spots. So uh, since 2014, I've been there, and I'll, I'll always be there. So if I, if I decide to fight, I'm in the top. I'm the champ, um, and now I'm back to prove it. You know, you mentioned, you know, this division and being on the top of it. I think when you look at bantamweight right now, it's not only a deep division, but it's extremely talented. When you think about the Aljermaine Sterlings, the Piotr Jans, Corey Sanhagen's, uh, Chito Vera, obviously, and even a guy like Sean O'Malley, when you look at this division and what it presents to you going forward, how exciting is it? to still be one of the marquee fighters in what could truly be the most talented division in the entire UFC. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's super exciting, right? To see what the weight, weight class has done and how it's evolved. And it's, it's always been super exciting weight class, right? We've always had guys getting out there and banging high energy, lots of technique, um, tons of knockouts, you know? So it's a weight class that's always been very entertaining. And now we got the personalities to back it up. And the list is endless for me to defend my belt against once I get it back. You know, TJ, I remember when you won the belt the first time. We shared a card together, you and I. And nobody thought yeah, I that, that you could do what you did to Hannon Barral at the time. And you have Man, that was crazy. turned out to be one of the greatest bantamweights of all time. Uh, train hard, my friend. Train smart over there in Abu Dhabi. I will see you next week as you try to become a three-time UFC bantamweight champion. A lot of times people call you one B to Dominic Cruz's 1A. You win this championship again. I think that there will be no question as to who is the greatest bantamweight of all time. Enjoy your time there, and I'll see you next week, TJ. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate Best it, of luck, brother. Yeah, thank yes, you very sir. much.
You know, it's always good to be joined by one of the greatest fighters of all time and TJ Dillashaw. No matter what you think about TJ, he is one of the greatest fighters of all time. So it gets me to thinking. The UFC always stacks the end of the year. And when you look forward to some mm -hmm. of the fights that are coming up, we started to think, one of my most anticipated fights to end 2022. There are a number of fights that are on the docket that are tremendous. You got Cater Arnold Allen. Obviously, Alex versus Israel Asanya. Whaley, Carlos Esparza. Poirier versus Chandler. Cannoneer versus Strickland. These are some of the big fight fights that are on the schedule and we also have the ones down in Abu Dhabi. So I take the liberty of giving you my three most anticipated fights to end 2022. And if RC does not have the same three, him and I have problems. Because they seem to stand out <laughs> above, above all the rest of them. So I will start right here, RC. And you'll probably call it favoritism. But it starts with Charles Oliveira versus Islam Mahashev. That is one of the biggest fights and one of the most anticipated fights to end the year of 2022. Because can Charles Oliveira do it? Can he beat Islam Mahashev? Or can Islam Mahashev upset a guy that has looked like the greatest fighter in lightweight for a very long time? Then we go to New York City and Alex Pajeda versus Israel Adesanya. That one again. Can Izzy get over the hump? First time in a while, Ryan, that we have questioned whether or not Izzy can get it done. And then the third fight is Justin Gate. I'm sorry, Michael Chandler versus Dustin Poirier. So, for me, it seems like it's easy. You got Pajeda versus Adesanya. And you see these two dudes, both tremendous strikers. You got Poirier versus Chandler. And you got Mahashev versus Oliveira. It's simple, RC. I don't think we should do the list. I think that we should just geek out on these three fights because they're so clearly the best three fights to end the year. So go ahead, do your three, and they will be the exact exact same three fights. But they aren't, though. They aren't the, they aren't the exact no. same fights. Obviously, obviously, you were going to go with Islam Makhachev, and I wasn't going to allow it. I think sometimes we have to... Sometimes our personal relationship is going to interfere with our bias as it comes to this show. There was no way on God's green earth I was putting Islam on my list. There just wasn't, DC. This is, but that's just you hating, um, though, dog. That's just you hating, dog. You know it's I, one of the best fights. Absolutely. You know it is. So that's why we're going to go. That's why at number three, I'm going to go Calvin Cater and Arnold Allen. That's what I'm going with. This is going to be a great fight. Arnold Allen gets an opportunity to prove to himself that he belongs amongst the top fighters in his weight class, and that's what I want to see. At number two, I'm going Poirier and Chandler. I think it's going to be an explosive fight. They actually have bad blood. I saw some of that Lafayette come out and Dustin Poirier when they were talking face-to-face, -face and Michael Chandler had to get carried away at the fight. And obviously, Izzy and Alex, to me, is the number one fight. He's beaten Israel Adesanya two times. Israel Adesanya even said either I'm going to get knocked out or he's going to get knocked out. I've never heard him had the, have those type of questions going into a fight. But like I said, DC, there was no way, ever, 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 I was putting Islam Makhachev on one of my top lists because I already know when you made this list, there was no way that that fight couldn't be number one. And it wasn't because of Charles Dubronx, who was one of the greatest fighters of all time, have more submissions than anybody in the entire UFC's history. I knew you weren't putting it there for him, DC. I knew, oh, Islam is fighting. He's 
Khabib trains him. He's part of the team. Oh. Everything we do is better than everybody else. I know it's AKA and it has kickboxing in it, but we're the best wrestlers in the world. Everybody hey. should come train RC. with us. I'm tired of that, bro. Tired. RC, you know I'm RC, you know I'm just traditionally ashy. Let me get some lotion on <laughs> before I go into this one because I'm just traditionally ashy. Get the elbows. That's just me. That's get the elbows. Hey. Hey, I hit the elbows real quick, but RC, I got to get ready for a fight because this is the thing, right? Like, you know dang well that that is one of, if not, your most anticipated fight of the entire year. And that's why every time we get these dudes on the show, brother, brother, RC, brother, RC, why, why you do this? Why you do this? Every time these guys have to question your friendship to my friendship because you hate so much, when in reality, if you just allow it, look at that cartwheel. I mean, look at that. Go back to that cartwheel video, right? Look at that good cartwheel uh, that Makashev does. But the, this is why it's so exciting because for as good as Makashev is, Oliveira is that good too. That's why. Yeah. I believe he's so dominant. I do believe that Makashev is so dominant. But this is a guy that can actually beat him. And for the first time in a long time, I'm not as sure. This is me. I'm not as sure for the first time. In a long time, RC, that's like me going to you and saying, hey, there's no way that Troy Palomalu tackles Jerome Bettis. When you guys are in practice, there's no way Palomalu can tackle him one-on-one. Has Palomalu ever tackled Jerome Bettis one-on-one? First off, Troy wasn't tackling nobody at practice, D.C. Troy was not touching nobody. Troy was a, fir a future first ballot Hall of Famer. Troy didn't. Yeah, the rest of us had to tackle. The only time, the only time, the only time we let Troy tackle was if Troy was upset. What? If he was upset, then he went out there. Yeah, by the time, by hey, the RC, time RC, I, I got there, RC. probably two years later, he was done. Hey, RC, RC, whenever, like, Troy Palomalu pissed off, they're like, hey, man, a couple of you rookies, go stand there. Troy going to hit y'all like y'all the tackling dummies. Y'all don't even get to run. And y'all just stand there and let Troy Palomalu just tee off on him. Bro. Troy mad today, so Troy need a few dudes to hit. DC, I'm going to tell you this. First off, the reason I'm not as nice to your friends as you are to my friends is when we get Habib on the show or when we get is uh, Islam, you don't tell them to be nice to me the way Troy was nice to you. That's first off. So that, so nice, you held, you dang right. You dang right. I'm hating. <laughs> and then number two is this. When, when Troy got mad one time because I was about to fight Antonio Brown because A.B. said something to Coach LeBeau. Troy always wears his hair in like a ponytail or a bun. The only time it's ever out <laughs> is if we were playing. That day, Troy took his hair out of the ponytail and he put the little ponytail holder around his wrist. And when he did that, everybody on the defense knew what was up. Bro, we were flipping people. We were hitting people. Troy sacked Big Ben and threw him to the ground. It got so bad. Eventually, Coach Tomlin just kicked both of us out of practice. He was like, you know what? You guys are ruining practice. You can no longer do what you were doing because we turned it into a game. But other than that, man, once Troy was Troy Palomalu, we weren't hitting nobody. Period. <laughs> we had to get RC, to game time, though. Wait. RC, so wait. He actually hit the quarterback and nobody did him nothing? He hit the what quarterback. What are they going to He's the best player on the team, <laughs> DC. What they going to do him? Like, and then, I you know, and you know, Troy I was praying all the time. He, hit, he just, he hit Ben, threw him down, and hit him with this here. And then he went back. And then oh. he went back to where he was, dog. <laughs> he was the hey. biggest star. He was the biggest star, right? Hey. He was the biggest star, so you couldn't really, like, 
take shots at him. But we have an unquestionable biggest star in mixed martial arts as we get back yeah. on track because, you know, we just chopping it up, you and me, like we always say in the Pro Bowl. <laughs> but the unquestionable biggest star in the mixed martial arts is Conor McGregor. Troy Palomalu, yes. even if he did something, people ain't saying stuff about it publicly. Justin yes. Gaethje is taking shots at Conor McGregor publicly. He goes, it sounds to me like he's off taking steroids right now. He hasn't been drug tested by USADA in quite some time. I'm looking for fair competition. So I ask you this, RC. Knowing Conor McGregor, is this Justin Gaethje's thoughts or is this Justin Gaethje's ploy to try to draw McGregor into a fight? Because as you and I both know, you say something about Conor, he always responds. It does not matter if you're right. a prelim guy, if you're a main event guy, if you say something about McGregor, he responds. So is this Gaethje's attempt to draw him into a fight? You know what, DC? I'm going to say this, and I guess we can as analysts. I don't really know um, because here's my thought. Whenever you throw the word steroids out to an athlete, you're now questioning that athlete's character. You're questioning his, his, his ability to think fairly, right, to, to feel like he wants a level playing field with everyone else. The first thing mm -hmm. you think is if you're going to go do steroids, you no longer think you're good enough to win based on who you are. And then the second thing is, if you're going to take steroids, you're also a person that only cares about yourself, not the actual sports or the colleague, colleagues you're competing against. And so that's a heavy, heavy uh, statement to me. That's a heavy, heavy accusation. But if he's trying to draw Connor out, I feel like this is the way. And I feel like this is a different way than anybody else has, DC. But I have to ask you a question. As a fighter, if someone would throw an allegation like this out at you, how would you receive it? Because to me, as, as we used to say back at the crib, D.C., that's fighting words. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's fighting words, dog. But the reality is this, and that's what he's hoping, is that those are fighting words. Because then McGregor would come out and say, hey, man, it's me and you. So I get what he's doing. But, you know, I said this the other day on my YouTube, is you can check how many times Connor's been tested, even though he's been away, because you just go to the USADA website and they have everyone's test records available to the public. And I also will tell you this. He's small. McGregor's short. So because he's so short, anytime a short guy puts on weight, they get a bit puffy. And they look huge. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it's, it's a real strong claim. And when you speak of character, RC, I think it's easy for Justin Gaethje to question character or any of Connor's uh, rivals, our potential opponents to question character when so many things that he has done publicly has shown a bit of a lack of, not I don't want to say character, but awareness, right? From the decision fight with the old man well. in the pub to some of the other things, yeah. right? Like a lot of decisions he's made allows for you to call in the question Conor McGregor's character. So why not call it into question in regards to those things? Yeah, you know, I think that's the like that's the very difficult thing in your guys' sport too, DC, is it's such an individual sport, but it's also extremely violent. I think there's a different thing between a baseball player using performance enhancement drugs mm. and 
and you're a UFC fighter, right? Or a football player. Whenever you think of a football player using uh, performance enhancement drugs, you think of the injuries that it could cause other people, the ability for those men to be able to recover in between games, in between workouts, that allows them to do more than a normal player or a player who is competing fairly. And I don't think that I don't think that you can use steroids, performance enhancement drugs in any way in our sports and it ever be forgiven. And what I mean by that is you will always be questioned. It'll be questioned when we look at how good you were prior to the test. And it will be questioned when we look at what you are after testing positive. I think back to a guy like Sean Merriman who came into the league playing for the San Diego Chargers and was absolutely lights out, no man. pun intended, because mm -hmm. that was his, you know, that was his celebration. And then afterwards, after we found out he tested positive, he was never the same. And so it was always that question or always that thought. The only reason he ever was what he was prior to testing positive was because of the drugs, because of the steroids. And I don't think that that is something that is ever forgiven by your peers, by your fellow athletes, and by your colleagues. And I think it's the same exact thing in MMA and in UFC. You're always going to look at those guys with tainted glasses. You know, RC, think about this, right? Tua. Tua got knocked out, and then he got knocked out again, right? And look at yep. how everyone was up in arms because of how badly he reacted to the second time. In fighting, when you cheat, you knowingly go into in there to do that to someone. Because when yes. that happened to Tua yes. Tungavailoa, that was on accident. So when you take performance mm -hmm. enhancers, you go in there knowingly that you want to do that to your opponent, what we saw in Tua. But the reality is... When you say someone's doing that, unless it's proven, that's why it's such a bad claim. Because you're saying that yeah. a person is intentionally going out there to try and harm someone. So if I'm Gaethje, I'm right. hoping that Justin's doing it as a way to try to draw Connor out into a fight. Mm -hmm. Because unless he knows something that we don't know. Right. It's a very dangerous thing. Exactly. And that's why I've always taken such offense with the things that a former opponent of mine had done going into the fights with me inside the octagon. Right. But, RC, we could talk about this all day, you, you and I, because is. we have strong opinions. But you know we got to tap in and we got to tap out. So, Corporate Jake, load up that guy, Mike, my friend. All right, guys. <laughs> Featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky announced on Monday that he is officially the backup fighter for the lightweight title fight between Charles and Islam at UFC 280. So, RC, tap in or tap out on Volk being the backup fighter for UFC 280. Well, I tap all the way in. And first off, let me say this about Alexander Volkanovsky. He ain't nobody's backup, right? He is a headliner. He is a main carter. He is that dude. But I tap all the way in that if one of these fighters are not able to perform, there's no one else in the world I'd want to step into that octagon as the replacement than Alexander Volkanovsky. Yeah, I tap in. I tap in on Volk because even though it's absurd – it is for a vacant championship. We do believe that Dubronx yep. is the champ. Both of us do here. But because it's a vacant title, then sure, why not? Here's one thing where I have pause. When I was called Volk to make him the latest five-star guy in EA Sports UFC, he told me that there was an injury after the last Holloway fight. So even though he was injured, he was going to train. He was going to keep preparing. So if he does get to perform, he will not be at his optimal performance uh, because of that said recovery so that gives me pause but when you're getting when you receive these opportunities 
There's no way to turn him down, so I tap in. Corporate Jake. All right, recently, Kevin Holland announced his retirement from MMA. Now he has an event fight. Oh, sorry, stand by. Recently, Kevin Holland announced his retirement fight from MMA. Now he has a main event fight against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in December. DC, tap in or tap out on Holland using his full retirement to parlay it into a main event. <laughs> I don't think I, I, I tap out because I don't believe that's what he did. I believe that that word is so easy to use, especially when you're young, because you know it's not true. I think that right. you got to be very careful because, Ryan, you know, you and I both know. On the other side, custom suits and craft services is much nicer than tackling and concussions yes. or whatever else you may receive yeah. playing football or fighting. So I think you got to be very careful with using the word retirement. But I believe, honestly, that this fight with Wonderboy is payback. This is, here you go, Kevin Holland. You fought Hamza Chumayev under the circumstances that you did. Yeah. So here you go. An aging guy with a big name in a main event for you to hopefully regain some of the goodwill you had gotten since going down to 170. That's what I feel like this fight is. Listen, I tap out because I, I don't believe that's why he said he was retiring. I think that fighting is emotional. I think that sports in general is emotional. And sometimes when you feel like you've given all that you have, that's the emotional response to it. The other thing is this. Nothing's binding about it. It's not like if you say, I retired, you can't unretire. <laughs> I mean, the only yeah. thing close to retiring in the MMA is like retiring as a rapper. You can make a freaking album whenever you want. You don't have to stay there. You make that decision based on what you feel like doing. Kevin Howland now has a fight mm -hmm. in December against Wonderboy Thompson, and he's going to fight. And, and, and honestly, unless you, you get out of the testing pool, that's the only thing that holds you accountable to yeah. that retirement, right, RC? And don't you think, like, yeah. it's a bit of a reward? Like, you went out there with Hamza Chemaev. It went the way it went, so here you go. And a dude that's older, yep. that's kind of aging, and, and he's a big name. So I think he, I think he played it the way that uh, it, it would have been, uh, RC. Juliana Pena has stated that she believes Amanda Nunes owes her the trilogy bout for the Bantamweight Championship. RC, tap in or tap out on Nunes owing Juliana the trilogy fight next. I tap in. I do tap in. And I know Juliana says some stuff, and she's not necessarily the biggest RSC fan, but what she was able to do in the first fight against Amanda Nunes, and then how we saw Amanda make adjustments and Juliana continue to show the heart of a champion for five rounds, if we're being real with ourselves, other than Valentina Shevchenko, those are the two toughest fights Amanda Nunes has had during her reign, during her reign as the greatest of all time in women's MMA. So I absolutely 100% tap in to seeing part three of this trilogy happen sooner than later. It's such a, and I mean, I know you can see my face here, RC, because I'm, I'm putting a position but it is such a hard one to answer because you know she's going to come after you afterwards. You know Juliana, she's going to get you. You know Juliana's going to get you. But the reality is I tap out, Ryan. I have to because the, Why? Work, hasn't war the work hasn't warranted an immediate rematch. Because if not, then every champion that loses gets an immediate rematch. Like, it's not like that. It's not. It's just. It just doesn't work that way. Because Amanda got an immediate rematch because she's Amanda Nunes. 
Jose he Aldo didn't get an immediate rematch, and he was the longest reigning featherweight champion right. of all time. Sometimes you got to mm-hmm. move on to get back, and I think Juliana's in that position. I don't know Daniel. if the work that she's put on paper warrants. Just because she survived in the last match, I think she might have lost every single round of that fight. Daniel. RC. Okay, my, Dude, okay. don't make okay. her mad at I me, get please. That. I'm not. I'm not trying to make it make her mad. This is actually a fan question. This is like your boy from the outs, outside of the octagon. If Amanda Nunes does not defend against Juliana Pena again, who is she fighting, DC? Who have we seen Amanda Nunes inside the octagon against in recent years? Like I said, other than Valentina Shevchenko, where it was even challenging, where it even looked like it might go five mm. rounds, DC. Not and on yeah. top of that, you know, Juliana Pena beating her two fights ago. I get you, RC, but the reality is we didn't expect anything different than what we had seen before, before she fought Juliana Pena. So who's to say that if she fights Ketlin Vieira, who has put together a nice win streak, has beaten two former champions, how do we know that that doesn't play out in that way? We had no idea that the gal was going to fight Valentina Shevchenko in the way that she did. We didn't. So it's Got like... You. You got to give it to the next. I just don't think the work that she's put on paper warrants an immediate rematch. All right, guys. Lastly, Le'Veon Bell is stepping back into the boxing ring following his KO win over Adrian Peterson to face former MMA fighter Uriah Hall. DC, tap in or tap out on Le'Veon facing Uriah Hall. Don't show it again, man. Don't show AP. Don't show that to me again. I don't want to see that again. I don't want to see AP getting his ass whooped. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cuss. I don't want to see AP getting beat. Y'all better stop Yo, showing that. That hurt your feelings look, so bad. Dog, I look at the rundown. I saw uh, uh, Le'Veon beats uh, AP. Do not show AP getting knocked out like that again, man. Um, I tap in because I think Le'Veon Bell can fight. I also tap in because he's trying to fight something real. He's not just making mm-hmm. this a, I'm just going to fight every now and again for fun. Uriah Hall is dangerous. I think Uriah Hall is going to beat Le'Veon Bell, and I think Uriah Hall is going to beat Le'Veon Bell bad. But the reality is this. At least he's doing it for real. He's not disrespecting the sport by just making it a spectacle. So I I respect that from Le'Veon Bell. You know what, Jake? Whatever, man. Run the video, man. Let me see Le'Veon Bell put it on the <laughs> <AP>, bro. Like, <laughs> hey, I tap, I, I tap in, and I tap in for, for this reason, DC. He's willing to put himself in a dangerous position. This is not just let me go out and continue fighting football players or go fight a basketball player. He's fighting someone that has spent his entire adult life in combat sports and has trained his entire life to be inside octagons, to be inside rings. And I know Le'Veon started training probably his rookie year when we were in Pittsburgh, but this is a whole different level of competition. And I'm actually excited for him. And I think it brings something to boxing that when you think about the lower cards or you think about the lower fights, that it wouldn't be this much attention on what's going on in the ring if it wasn't two people like this. So I tap all the way in. And I actually wish him the best for all of us, our football guys. I don't want him looking like AP this time. Hey, look, yeah, I know, man. Hey, you, but but not So now... It's me versus you again. We got the MMA guy versus the yeah. football guy. So I'm rocking with Uriah. You rocking with Le'Veon Bell. RC, I am. Listen, and if he brother. wins, I ain't going to let y'all live it down. <laughs> I know you mm. won't. Listen, you wanted, them, you wanted them talking heads from ESPN so you can be a bit boastful. But the reality is this, I Ryan. Um, you have been 
a welcome addition to the show. My brother, I understand you have a birthday tomorrow. And in honor of your yeah. birthday, I want to say happy birthday. Happy birthday to my brother, you, Ryan brother. Clark. You guys all give him some love on Instagram, Twitter, and everything. Shoot him a happy birthday. But, Ryan, as we get done with the show, we're here every single Tuesday. We're east 12, 12 a.m. Eastern on ESPN2. Let's end the show with the best of Ryan Clark over the last year as oh. we get ready for Ryan's happy birthday tomorrow. Let's talk about uh-huh. another knockout artist, Dude, Jake don't Paul. Call him that. Don't call him that. Don't, don't call him that. I mean, come on. You actually just... Ryan, DC got offered to play football at what college? Holy Valley of Short Dudes. <laughs> Welcome to a brand new episode of DC. That is Ryan Clark, Super Bowl champion Ryan Clark. DC, did you what? just start the show and say, welcome to DC? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. DC, here's what you're doing, though. You're talking like a man that can't grow hair. See, because I've been able to grow hair my oh. entire life, and I still can. That's the one I want you to go back to. <laughs> look at that. Hey, RC, what's up, baby? You know who it is, man. Freddie Flowers, Big Chan. And we talking about pivoting, man. You about to pivot into the big four, three. We just want to send you love, man. Blessings because let Chan say it. He going to tell you, you probably wouldn't have been here a couple years ago. Man, you old as Supposed to be dead 10 years ago. <laughs> Happy birthday, man. Happy you ain't you ain't DC, man. We appreciate you, RC. And like I say, I ain't got no real brothers, but y'all my brothers, man. Happy birthday. We're glad you didn't die as a baby. <laughs> Happy birthday, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Only that dude would say I was supposed to be dead 10 years ago. Hey man, thank y'all so much. Uh Y'all really have become my family, bro. I remember when I got an opportunity to do this show, I was extremely nervous. Y'all welcomed me with open arms. DC, you have been amazing to me, truly part of my family now. And so to everybody on the staff, man, everything we've done, we've come a very long way since that first show um, in Vegas a couple of summers ago, man. So to be here now, be celebrating my 43rd, have opportunity to talk about Jordan today. It's really come full circle, bro. So I appreciate y'all. I'm going to get me some cake, DC. Uh, I'm going to let this jacket out a little bit, right? So it ain't so tight. But you got to make sure the people know, man, just because it's my birthday, we are still here every Tuesday, man, wherever you get your podcast at 12 a.m. Eastern on ESPN2. And DC is going to lose weight now because he did not like how he looked in that Foot Locker shirt mm. as he was the referee for WWE. I look so bad. I look so bad that my pants came up. Looked like I had high waters on and everything. I was out there looking bad. I was like, dang. I got to start being more, more like my boy Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark, it always looks like you're wearing your best suit, like it's your birthday every day. Congratulations, my friend, on all your success. And happy birthday to Ryan Clark. You guys, make sure you watch us every single Tuesday. We love each and every one of you. And until next week, peace. <laughs>